Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I want to take just a moment to remind you how important it is to think on paper. I talk about it all the time. It's so important, especially if you're someone who's easily distracted. You need a notebook with you at all times. This is where you jot down your best ideas. When you think on paper, all of that creativity flows and it it sends that message out to the universe. It's crazy the things that you can manifest when you put your ideas, your thoughts, your dreams, your intentions on paper. Whether you're looking for a very simple to use, effective day planner or a blank notebook to capture all of your brilliant ideas and brainstorms, the place to go is pushjournal.com. We've got blank notebooks as well as incredibly easy to use day planners. Like this is the day planner I created as someone who has ADHD who needed something super simple. We've got new designs, designs that have more blank pages or our classic push journal with a health tracker, as well as blank notebooks that are so cool. They're so adorable. Like it literally will tell people a little something about your personality when they see you writing in this notebook. Check them all out by going to pushjournal.com. What's up, Buttercup? Thank you so much for joining me today here on The Shaleen Show. This is a, it's an introspective look. It's self-reflection that I hope inspires you to do the same. I, I'm assuming that you either know someone who's an overhelper or you are one. This topic came back to the surface for me this week in kind of a major way. And it is a character flaw. It's a habit that I've had for probably most of my life. And I actually went to work on this with a therapist about 15 years ago. And I think I've been really good. Of course, it's something that creeps back into my life. You know, all things that we're working on as humans, it's not like, okay, well, that's gone. I never have to worry about that again. We have to keep ourselves in check. And one of the ways to know if, in fact, we have some of these bad habits is by checking in with a therapist. And we have been working with a counselor through some things that are happening in our family and And it's causing me to take a look at myself and to figure out my own role and to understand where I need to be better and checking in on like my own self-care and realizing that in some areas it's lacking because I'm so busy taking care of other people. And I don't mean that to sound like altruistic because it's really not. And so here's how this episode is going to start. I'm going to play for you a recording I did in my car sometime last week. It was 4 p.m. in the afternoon, and I was just at that point on the way to the gym, and that might not sound like a big deal, but to me, that was a really big deal because I had spent the entire day helping someone who hadn't even asked for my help. I just decided that I needed to strap on my cape and jump in there and help them because if I didn't do it, who would do it, right? And so I'm driving to the gym. It's 4 o'clock. My butt is completely flat. I'm annoyed that I've wasted my entire day. I'm disappointed in myself because I didn't work on, quote, I didn't have a chance to get to the things I was supposed to get to for me because I was so busy out of the goodness of my heart being superwoman for someone else. But here I am driving to the gym and just realizing, oh, oh, you're doing it again. You, my friend, have slipped back in. Okay, so take a listen and let me know if this sounds familiar. All right, so let's get the show started and then you can jump in the car with me. Okay, I'm in my car, so thanks for putting up with the audio. It's just, this is on my heart and on my mind and it's on my brain and it's like, oh, it feels like a headache. It's got to change. And I don't mean go away entirely. But I have this really bad habit that I constantly have to keep in check. And I just like a couple of times this week, I was like, you're really doing it right now. So I'm sure you can relate to this. Some of you maybe some of you can't. Not everybody is this way, clearly, because you're either one or the other. You're either the person who kind of like takes care of other people's stuff 
or you're one of those people that really enjoys being taken care of. Not in all situations, but in some situations, right? So I have this habit. It's not a habit. It, yeah, I guess it's a habit. It's personality flaw. It's character flaw where I, I get excited when someone has a problem and I can help them with it. Now, that might sound noble. Maybe I'm like making myself sound like, you know, I don't know, Mother Teresa. That's not what I'm talking about. Obviously, it feels good. It feels really good to help somebody else out. You know what else it does? It distracts you from all the things you need to fix on yourself. It also distracts you from things that you don't feel like doing. This is a perfect example of some of the things that I'll do. So pod squad, if you listen to the Shaleen show, we have this Facebook group and there's like 30,000 women in there. And I go in there and, you know, we, we talk about stuff that's happened on the show. It's a pretty cool community. Anyways, the other day, one of the gals posted her photo of her, she posted a photo of her mother of the bride dress, the dress that she wants to wear for her. I can't remember if it was the bride or groom. Right. And it was really pretty. And, and she took a picture of it from the front and from the back. And in the back, it was one of those like cowl backs. Like, you know what a cowl neckline is? You know how like, like it's draped down her back, like almost to the bra line. Very pretty. It's this elegant eggplant color, just beautiful. And so it's got like this deep scoop in the back. It's like a long dress. And then it had like one of those spaghetti straps that goes from shoulder to shoulder. You could tie the spaghetti strap to kind of like keep the dress up and in place. And then, you know, she tied it with a bow. So there's this spaghetti strap that kind of like hung down. And then there was this, you know, the uh, draping. And she posted a picture of that. And of course, did she ask me for my opinion? No. Did I give it to her anyways? Sure did. And I just said, it's beautiful. You know what? If I could offer one suggestion, you might like just take that little spaghetti strap and have a seamstress like sew it. So it's just like one straight strap so that the little, you know, that spaghetti strap doesn't take away from the elegance of the, you know, like the draping. And she was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Okay, that should have been the end of it. But you know what? It wasn't. And on a day when I had like a like a long list of other things I need to do, you know what I did? I pulled out some editing software. I uploaded her photos and I photoshopped them for her so that she could see four different versions of what she could do with the back of that dress. If she was trying to decide before taking it to a seamstress, here were four different mock-ups of like what it would look like with the bow, without the bow, what it would look like if you replaced the spaghetti strap with just a strand of pearls. What it would like literally... I spent probably an hour and a half doing that. <laughs> she didn't ask me to do that. <sighs> okay, that's a, almost a funny example. I'm starting with a funny example, but I'm going to go to like more serious examples. So like this is a week where I have a bunch of responsibilities, team members who are waiting for me to do things for them. It's just never ending. Like there's just, you know, there's lots of things that I can do and should do. And I need to do, and we've got marketing impact academies like a week away. I need to, you know, finish up, up all of my slides and there's just so much more I need to do for that too. Like just to make it perfect. There's lots of things I should be working on. And then I find out about this new victim in the plastic surgery case. And she, you know, has sent me a couple of texts here and there, like every other day, maybe because she doesn't know any of the other victims. I do. Like I, I'm in contact with like all of them, right? So they all have my cell phone number and there's like 70 plus people plus witnesses, etc. She's not surrounded by that community. She doesn't have anyone else who's been through what she's been through. And in fact, I can't even say that I've been through what she's been through because her, her story is just a catastrophe. But I can't stop thinking about her and I can't stop like trying to come up with plans of like things that she can do and, and, and trying to help her like understand, like, you know, know like how this could help her with healing. And maybe you could go to hyperbaric oxygen and here's the number for this. And here's the number for that. And you know, like I'll literally spend hours just trying to help her. And I know you're like, well, boy, that sounds nice. Shaleen. Yeah, I know. But, and I know that sounds nice, but I, also need to be honest and, and recognize that I'm doing this all day with a bunch of people. You know, my mother-in-law is another example. That's like the 
family has boundaries and I have boundaries too, but I'll find myself going, you know what? I need to do X, Y, Z for this brand or this business, like work related. And that doesn't sound that fun. You know what sounds fun? That doesn't give me any dopamine hit. You know what will give me a dopamine hit? Checking in and on or like solving a problem for this person. And so, but in the moment, like you convince yourself, oh, I'm doing these things because I'm a nice person. I'm doing these things because I care, right? Which I do. But I think what really, if I want to break this habit, I have to recognize what's really motivating me is the dopamine, is the feeling good, like trying to make myself feel better. Why am I doing that? Like, what don't I feel good about? And I'm doing it as a distraction, right? Like clearly I'm doing it because I don't feel like doing something else. But just to procrastinate and do nothing, you don't feel very good about yourself. But if you procrastinate and mentally you can convince yourself that you're not procrastinating, you just are taking care of somebody and that feels more important than whatever, filming another reel for one of the Instagram accounts. It's almost like you're fooling yourself. Here's another example. One of my friend's wife, she texted me and said, hey, hubby said that you would help me with some information regarding doing a photo shoot. I've never done a photo shoot before. This was, I don't know, two days ago. And I was like, absolutely. How can I help you? And she's like, I've just never done one before. Like, do you know, like, I, and I need one for my business. Do you have any suggestions on like a photographer? That's what she asked. That's what she asked. <laughs> I'm laughing right now because I just realized that's all she asked is, do you have any suggestions on a photographer? And I think she put comma or anything else. So the, or anything else was my invitation to spend mm, three hours, I'm not joking, developing a plan for her. So I opened up a Google Doc and I listed out every one of the photographers I would recommend, how much they charge, the difference, like what you're going to get for this person versus that person. In addition to that, I wrote out detailed instructions on how to find locations to shoot at, what you could expect to pay for them. Then I wrote out detailed instructions on how to prepare for a photo shoot. I told her how to go to Pinterest and like, I'm going to give it to you guys right now. At least it's good content, right? In case you're ever going to do a photo shoot. So I you know, told her to go to Pinterest and start a, a Pinterest board and to create a list of all the different shots that she needs for a variety of reasons. And then underneath each shot, like if she needs a podcast shot and a shot for her, you know, YouTube cover art and a shot for her headshot. So you have a shot list. Do you want a serious one, a smiling one, a business one, a casual one, a fun one, natural light from the shoulders up, full body. Like, you know, you've got a list all those things because you need to go to your photo shoot with a shot list if you want to get like the most done in the least amount of time and links on where you could buy rolling racks how many days prior to the photo shoot you need to have all of your outfits on hangers and hanging on this rolling rack and then you take a little post-it note and you write down what shots you're going to use that outfit in and then here's the names and numbers of people that could help you with styling and makeup and hair then you need to come up with a list of all of your outfits you want to wear and then with each one of your outfits you want to think about like how are you going to pose and where are you going to pose and where are you going to shoot this and so then you gotta- i had to speed that up just re-listening to that i'm a sick puppy This is good for me. I don't know if it's good for you, but it's good for me. All right, continue. Like I literally spent hours preparing this document with bullet points and checklists. All she said was, do you have the name of the photographer or anything else? I could have literally just sent off a text. So why did I do Did I do that to be super helpful? That's what I told myself why I was doing that. But if I'm being honest, it just seemed like more fun. It was felt like more of a dopamine hit, more of like a rush to do something that would be like soup that somebody else would reply like, OMG, this is crazy. Why I can't believe you did this for me. And it was more fun to like share knowledge of something that I've done. That was a lot more fun than having to review the documents that have been assigned to me <laughs> by my team to review. That seemed like a lot more fun. But then I do that. And, and then what do I do? I complain that I, oh, I've got so much work to do. Yeah, I've got so much work to do because... I've prioritized helping people who, in many cases, haven't asked for that much help. Helping people beyond what they've even asked for. And then here's the other thing I have to notice about myself. I am drawn to friendships where I can be helpful. I do have friendships where... 
it's great because we're on equal footing and they're super self-sufficient and they can help me too. But I don't have as many of those for sure. I don't know if it's more rewarding to have people in your life that you have to like help them. It must do something for me because, you know, as I say, all of our behaviors, even the negative things that we do, and if we get negative consequences, we're getting something out of that, right? Like all attention is good. And, and so we, we get something out of the things, even when we self-sabotage, there's a reason why we do that. Even all of the negative consequences that we experience because of our own behaviors, those, it's rewarding us in some way. This is something I need to address because, <laughs> because I'm married to someone who does this too. Brett is the same way. And we both really like to do this. And I also am just realizing right now as I'm recording this, I get something from it when I encourage him to help somebody else. Because sometimes someone will reach out to me and say like, hey, do you know whatever. It's some topic that I don't know very much about or that I know Brett is like the master. He's got all the information and I will then volunteer him. If he's like, no, I don't have time to do that. Then I'll be like, I'll keep pestering him and say, okay, well, no problem. And then I'll bug him the next day. And then I'll do things like, well, you don't have to help him with that. But if you could just tell me, which is passive aggressive, because if I'm being honest, I know He's going to say, oh, no, I'll just do it. We, I just left the house and we were just having this conversation about him kind of like taking over for a family member, a whole bunch of responsibilities. And I spent my entire, what time? It's, it's four o'clock right now. And I've spent the entire day, the entire day devoted to solving another person's problems that shall remain nameless. And, and I started feeling like resentful and like angry, but then I'm like, the only person I should feel resentful and angry at is myself because I don't have to do it. I really don't have to do it. I'm not obligated. It, it's a decision. It's a choice that I made. So therefore, if I make the decision to do that, I really don't have any business complaining about it. And maybe the reason why I do that is so that I can complain. Have you ever thought of that, Shalene Johnson? I don't know. This is some pretty deep stuff. Okay, so let's talk about ads on podcasts. I know some of you fast forward through all of them. Some of you actually listen to them. Some of you have joined Patreon because you don't want to hear ads. But I do want you to know that the people who we choose to sponsor the show it's very intentional. When you're hearing me read the ad, when I'm sharing my own experience, please know that that is so well vetted. Like advertisers who come to us every single week and I just turn them down because we try the product or I'm just not really convinced that it's helpful for you or for me for that matter. But one thing I'm sure you could agree if you've been listening from the very first episode I ever did Therapy is a thing that I talk about all the time. And especially if what I'm talking about today, you're like, okay, yep, that's that's me. I'm definitely overhelping. Then you need to talk to somebody. I'm talking to somebody right now and I want you to do the same. And you can do so very affordably with Talkspace because you've got to prioritize your mental health, right? It's about you being your very best and you've got to put the mask on first. And that is why therapy is the key to being this evolved person. I would not have this revelation and be able to start fixing this if I wasn't speaking to a therapist. And getting started is the most important part. So don't wait until something goes wrong. Sometimes it's just like, check. I didn't wait till something was going wrong. I thought, I thought we were just checking in. But Talkspace is a way for you to challenge yourself, to figure out, it's to have somebody else to talk to about the problems that you're going through or maybe to get advice. You can use your Talkspace therapist even as a life coach, just running ideas past them. You could talk to them about anxiety, depression, relationships, work, your goals. Talkspace lets you send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist on their Talkspace platform 24-7. And they're going to match you with the right 
therapist at a fraction of the cost of what it might cost you to do in-person therapy. So maybe it's something just like really little, something that doesn't feel like that big of a deal, but you know, it's not appropriate for your friends to solve this problem, or maybe your emotions are just like piling up and you need a fresh perspective, like somebody else who can look at it from the outside. And that is why it is so important to allow Talkspace to match you to a dedicated therapist at Talkspace.com. And when you do that as a listener of The Shaleen Show and you use the code Shaleen, you're going to get $100 off your first month. Okay, so go to Talkspace.com and use the promo code Shaleen for $100 off or you can simply download their app. But don't forget, use the code Shaleen for your $100 off your first month. Okay, we're going to jump back in the car for just a moment, and then I'm going to give you a nice little checklist so that you can self-assess if, in fact, you or someone you love is also an overhelper. I think it's great to help people. You know, obviously, I'm not talking about like being an island over here or ignoring family or friends if they need help. What I need to curb, though, is how much and how far I will go. And it doesn't do the person who you're saving or, or doing everything for them. It doesn't help them. It makes them feel dependent upon you. It makes them feel like they aren't capable or they can't do things without you. And that's not fair to anyone, especially another adult. You know, it's the same thing with your kids. Like if you're doing more than you should for your own kids, it's not the most loving thing to do because then they feel lost without you. They feel like they're inept. They feel as though they're not capable, that they can't make the right decisions, that they don't have that ability, but they do. And, and isn't that what you really want for the people that you love? Don't you want the people that you love to believe in themselves, to believe that they can do these things? All right. So as you can tell, I'm, I'm making progress because I'm aware that this is a problem, but just being aware isn't enough because even though you can hear from that recording, I'm, I'm going over all the things that I did last week that were just ridiculous, just crazy ways to spend my time. It's Sunday as I'm recording this, and, and I spent three hours today putting together a Pinterest board for a girlfriend. Now, if this girlfriend is listening, don't feel guilty because I did this. You didn't ask me to do this. I spent three hours putting together a Pinterest board for her daughter for ideas for homecoming because her daughter was really struggling with like what to wear. Did they ask me to do that? Nope. And when I finish <laughs> this ridiculous <laughs> Pinterest board, I send it to the two of them because I knew they're going out shopping. And by the time I finished it and sent it to them, expecting like her daughter to be like, oh my gosh, Shalene is so cool. Like she knows exact, like I'm going to be the coolest at homecoming. As soon as I sent the link, she was like super excited to say, I found my dress. And I have to admit that I felt a little twinge of disappointment. Why? Because I spent all this time doing something that I was not asked to do. And she, they were perfectly capable of doing it independent of me. So in that last little part in the car where I said, don't you want you know, the people who you love to feel as though they are capable, logically, the answer to that should be yes. And when I answer that question rhetorically, of course, I want the people I love to be dependent. Wow. Wow, that was a serious Freudian slip. Of course, we want the people who we love to be independent. But all of us on a subconscious level want to be loved. We want to have significance in other people's lives. And so what I'm having to realize about myself is that I do this all the time. And I think I have, and, and also my husband, we both have been talking about this together. Like we went for a long walk tonight and we both were, you know, kind of coming to grips with the fact that we both do this and also having to recognize that it doesn't always come from a good place. You know, it feels, I know that you are the person who does everything, who jumps into help, who overhelps, who gives advice. And it sounds so positive, like such a great leadership characteristic to be the person who steps up when no one else does, the person who offers assistance when it's needed, but no one's asked for it. Like those sound like really great qualities and characteristics. And, and yes, those are great things. But why are you doing it 
and are you overdoing it and are you doing it because you're trying to create subconsciously like none of us are doing these things on purpose <laughs> but they're happening and I want to give you a quick checklist so that you and I can both recognize when this is happening and if this is happening more than it should and what we can do about it. Okay, so I'm going to ask you some questions. I'll answer them and I want you to answer them as well. When I'm not helping people, do I feel like I don't have purpose? Do I feel a little anxious? Do I feel aimless? And am I seeking or looking or listening for people who might need my help, my advice, my input? Number two, do I offer others unsolicited advice, even in casual situations and social settings, under the guise of, yeah, I don't know if this is helpful or not, but I wanted to share this with you. That's my middle name. That is a bold yes for me. What is it for you? Number three, do I feel defensive or dismissive when I learn that people I have helped have found another person's advice more helpful or that they didn't consult with me on a problem that they knew I could help them with. That one sucks to say yes, but I have to admit, yes, I do. Like I've literally said those things to people. I've literally reached out to people and said, hey, just so you know, I totally would have helped you with this. I mean, I find myself doing this sometimes when I learn that somebody could have just asked me a quick question and I could have saved them like, you know, a lot of money or I could have saved them a headache. I don't think that those are negative examples. I think what we need to be aware of and what this question is pointing out is, do we sometimes get dismissive or are we annoyed when somebody asks another person for advice and they could have come to you? And I don't feel that way as much. Like I'm okay if somebody goes to someone else, but it does bother me I'm being honest, when I know someone could have come to me and because they didn't, because they're like, oh, I knew you were busy, and then it ends up costing them money or time or inconvenience because they didn't go to anyone. Number four, do you imagine helping others with life-changing advice and visualizing how your advice could be vital to their success? (laughs) This is a little embarrassing. Number four, yes. Okay, number five, do you feel insecure when someone you help questions you or doesn't take your advice? Oh boy, yes. I mean, not in every situation, but yeah, in in some, especially if again, my own doing, I spend hours and hours and hours and hours like trying to help somebody and then I'm like, here you go. And I give it to them in a nice little package with a bow on top. And then they're like, oh yeah, thanks. I decided to do the opposite of that. Yeah, that bothers me. It bothers me. But I know it's on me. Okay. What is it for you? What was the answer for you? Okay. Number six, do you fish for praise after giving advice or do you need other people to acknowledge that you were helpful? Hmm. I don't know if I fish for praise, but yeah, I do like it. I do like it. (laughs) Okay. Fine. Yes. Jeez. Okay. Number seven, Do you sometimes feel taken advantage of, like you've made this huge sacrifice or you've experienced great inconvenience or it's been stressful to help other people and then afterwards you feel like they didn't appreciate you enough? Can I say sometimes? Sometimes. I think I'm better about that. I know I'm much better about that, but yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I still feel that way. Okay, so those are the questions. How did you do? Are you guilty with some people or in some situations? I think probably everybody is to some extent. The question is, are you doing this a lot of the time? Do you find that your identity is kind of fused with being the person who is the doer, is the fixer, is the rescuer, is the helper, is the most knowledgeable, is the advisor, is the coach, is the leader, like all of those things, you know, and those are all good qualities, right? Like we need those people. I need you to have those qualities. Society needs you to have those qualities. What we have to do, though, is learn to put ourselves in check so that we're not doing it to our own detriment, so that we're not doing it to the detriment of others. Because it's really easy to get into these codependent relationships where this person is dependent upon us, but we're also dependent, that's where the co comes in, on them needing us. Right. So now we're codependent. We don't even realize. And we're like stressed out or annoyed or resentful that this person needs us 
without acknowledging that it actually does something for us. So what does it do for us? Why do we do this? Why are we addicted to it? Okay, so when we think about addiction, addiction is when we're craving something. And this too, my friends, can be an addiction. Because when we help people, behavioral experts agree that helping does indeed have the potential to become an addiction. Because when we help people, our brain emits the chemicals that are addictive. So it's it's called the happiness trifecta. They're serotonin, you know, and serotonin in the brain helps to produce feelings of well-being, right? Like that happiness. Dopamine is like this intense motivation. And those of us who have ADHD, man, we we really do have a difficult time regulating our dopamine. So it doesn't surprise me at all that a lot of my friends who have ADHD are also big time helpers. They are also addicted to fixing and helping and rewarding and saving and and rescuing. And then the third one in the trifecta is oxytocin. So oxytocin is released in the brain too. And oxytocin is what makes us feel connected to others. So you can understand like if all of these chemicals are released in the brain when we spend three hours making a Pinterest board for a homecoming dress, you can understand why we might choose that activity over reviewing court documents or paying the bills or cleaning the house or doing that thing that you need to do for your business. I mean, it feels good to help people. It feels good to rescue people. So that feel good outcome, when it's combined with our, you know, all those chemicals that are released in our brain, no wonder we want to repeat this behavior. Psychologists have a term for this, they call it the white knight syndrome. So the white knight syndrome is defined as people who feel a need, or like a compulsion to rescue or help others. They feel like a need or a compulsion to to give advice or to tell people like how to do things or to coach people or to say like, oh, I can't help it. I have all these ideas for you. Oh my gosh, that is so me. I offer ideas all the time to people who have not asked for it. And we do this, I do this, because it makes me feel more important. It's why I do so many freaking podcasts. I like to think that that's the healthier way for me to express this and to get that high. Like, again, it's not a bad thing to help people, but you know it's a problem when and if you are doing it for the wrong reasons. It's also become a problem when the person who we're helping can help themselves and we don't want them to help themselves. I'm talking about when, you know, you've helped somebody, you've poured into them, maybe you've mentored them, and then their success starts to rise above yours. If that makes you feel jealous or insecure about your worthiness, then that's a problem. And I can say this, I've never felt that. Like I love, 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 at least from a professional standpoint. Well, I love when my kids, both my kids are going to be more successful than Brett and I. I mean, we have so many students who are in our Marketing Impact Academy that are, I mean, they're just like monsters now, like crazy success. I freaking love that. So I personally don't struggle with that. But however, if people don't take my advice and then they fail or they don't come to me when I I could have helped them avoid just, I don't know, something that cost them a ton of money or their business failed because of this or, you know, and we're close enough where they, all they had to do was ask and I could have helped them with something and then then I see them struggling. That really does make me sad. I'm like, why, why wouldn't they have just, gosh, I could have avoided all this pain or whatever it is. Like, why didn't they come to me? Why wasn't I significant to them? And so they've got their own reasons why, but yeah, it, it does bother me. As a matter of fact, every time someone who I know reaches out to me about like their social media getting hacked or their email getting hacked, and it's somebody who I know, and I had already tried to convince them of all the things they need to do to protect themselves, and then they come to me, I have like no mercy. I'm like, that's your fault. You should have listened to my fantastic advice when I told you the other 500 times. And so then I have like no mercy. And guess what? In my preparation, you know, kind of like learning to understand this character trait, that's actually 
a healthy response. Because one of the ways you know that you're, you're making progress is if you are a helper, if you are a rescuer, you know that you're getting healthier if you're willing to let the people who you love or the people who you've helped suffer consequences of their own choices. You're willing to let them be uncomfortable. You're willing to let them fail. Like it's if they didn't take your advice, if they didn't listen, if they didn't use your assistance or whatever it is, and then by making their own choices, they fall short, then you're adhering to clear and mutual accountability. Like you you have mutual accountability. You're not carrying the burden of their success. Or maybe stated another way, you are not identifying your worth with another person's success or lack thereof. Because you know it really takes a healthy sense of self to allow the people who you have poured in to outshine you. That should make you happy, but it shouldn't make you sad if for some reason they don't succeed. Because coaches really struggle with this. And by coaches, I don't mean beach body coaches. I mean like business coaches, life coaches, even therapists, parents, mentors. You know, you can really feel this sense of responsibility. It's one of the reasons probably why I don't do one-on-one coaching anymore. I mean, Brett and I did it for two years. We both had to step away from it because we both had this tendency to feel responsible for the action and even the inaction of the people we were coaching. Like it killed me if we would tell people, you know, exactly how to do everything. And then they they didn't take that advice, mainly because they were paying for it. And we're like, you're not going to get a return on your investment if you don't actually follow through on the strategies that we're sharing with you. And that's a form of dependency. There was a lot of dependency going on because we didn't have healthy boundaries. And I think in order to be a business coach, a life coach, a mentor, you have to cultivate independence. So let's talk about some things that we can do to stop overhelping. Try this. The next time you feel yourself thinking, okay, oh, I know what I'm going to do, or oh, I, I know how I can help. If you think about yourself doing all the work that you're planning on doing, taking all the time that it's going to take to do that, the inconvenience, whatever, time, resources, money, whatever it is you're going to do to help this person. If you can picture yourself getting absolutely zero credit for it, none, and enjoying the entire process, well, then go for it. However, if you can imagine yourself doing all of these things and spending all the time, et cetera, to help this person or to save them, to rescue them, to offer advice, whatever it is, and then that person doesn't take your advice and or doesn't acknowledge you or doesn't even know that you did this thing, just be honest with yourself and acknowledge if in fact you would feel a little annoyed, taken advantage of, or resentful. If the answer is yes, then you're doing it for ego purposes versus altruism or you know just being a selfless individual. Also ask yourself, am I doing this to avoid dealing with my own life? Am I doing this to avoid working on something that isn't going to give me a dopamine hit? Am I doing this just because it feels good, but there's something else I should be doing and this person also could get help from someone else or or they could do this themselves? Oh, that's a really big one. Ask yourself, could this adult figure this out themselves or get somebody else to do it for them? And if the answer is yes, why do you feel like you have to do it for them? I'm not by any stretch of the imagination suggesting that you stop being a helpful person. I'm asking you, I'm asking myself to pause, to self-reflect and and figure out if it's actually going to be helping this person or if it's going to be making them dependent upon me. To pause and ask myself if I actually have time to do this. To pause and ask myself, am I doing this because... You know, it's an ego hit. It makes me feel good about myself, not because I want to do this out of the goodness of my heart and I have the ability to do it and no one else does. Like, I just need to pause and break the habit of immediately going for the dopamine fix, immediately going for the high that I feel when I'm the know it all, when I fix, rescue, or save someone. Do you ever feel like there's so much pressure? to create content in social media that some days you're just 
out of ideas. You have no idea what to post next. And then you don't post. And then your engagement goes down or your followers go down. And it's just like vicious cycle. Well, I want to help you because I want to share with you my 30-day content calendar. And it doesn't matter what your niche is or what it is you sell or what it is you do or what it is you look like, any of those things. This is 30 days of killer ideas. Like you're going to get so much inspiration and examples of exactly what's working and how you can make it work for you, depending, of course, your niche or what it is you normally post. Even if most of the time you know what to post, but every once in a while you just hit a block and you can't think of what you need to post. Listen, I want to make this super simple for you. Grab a copy of my 30-day content calendar. Plus, it's free. So you just go to instaclubhub.com forward slash content. Again, instaclubhub.com forward slash content. And as always, the link to that will be in the show notes. So you don't even have to write it down. In fact, you can click on it while you're listening to this episode. My next suggestion for you, and this is something I'm working on, I practiced it a couple times today, is instead of jumping in to solve the problem for someone, This might be someone who is very capable, but loves how it makes them feel when you take care of them, when you look out for them. Maybe it's someone who just loves to be a victim or thinks that they're completely helpless because somebody or everybody has always done everything for them. So they don't even realize that they are capable and qualified and perfectly self-efficient. When this person comes to you with a problem. Many times they haven't even asked for your help. But if you're like me, like my habit, my, oh my gosh, it is such a bad habit. Before someone even asks for my advice or my help, as soon as I hear there's some kind of a problem, I immediately launch into problem solving mode action plan. And Brett is the same way. And the two of us together, like, so I see him do it and I do it. And yeah, again, it's it's a great quality, except when it's not, except when it's truly to bolster your self-esteem. And habits are hard to break. They're easier to replace with other activities or, or other habits, if you will. So I'm trying to get myself into the habit of asking questions like, oh, wow, so what are you going to do? Which is such a foreign statement for me, a foreign question, I should say. It's even a step in the right direction to say, how can I help? Like, even that's a really big improvement because just saying, how can I help, gives the other person the opportunity to say, oh, I'm just venting, or oh, I wish you could, or you don't, you're super busy, you don't need to do that, right? So they're giving you an out, but you still get maybe that little bit of a dopamine hit of saying, you know, how can I help, offering help, but allowing them to step up for themselves. Now, this is dangerous if you're saying that to someone who is going to take you up on it every single time. Use that carefully. Now, this could be super tricky when we're talking about family, right? Because aren't you supposed to do everything for your family? No, you're not obligated to do anything for anyone. You're obligated to care for your children, but also to care for your children means to help them to become self-sufficient. And as we become adults, we are not obligated to take care of our siblings or our parents or to help them beyond what we feel is appropriate. You're not obligated. Now, we've talked about that family myth. If me saying that feels like a struggle for you, then I want you to go back and listen to the episode that I did with Dr. Michaela about helping family members and let that sink in. And then ultimately, if, if this is something you're still really struggling with, with your family member, because quote unquote, they're family, but yet you are tapped out I'm begging you, I'm urging you to work with a therapist. Obviously, I just mentioned Talkspace. That's a great starting point for you. It's so simple. You can just go to their app. You can download their app. You can look to finding a a virtual therapist. Dr. Michaela's contact information is also below in our show notes. You can look for a therapist locally based on your needs. Just go to Google, Yelp. Meet with a therapist, see if you feel a connection, see if you trust them, see if you feel comfortable. Commit to seeing like two or three before making a decision. The boundary that I'm learning to put in place with family and also with friends is recognizing the difference between rescuing and helping. Helping doesn't make me feel resentful. Rescuing, for me anyways, rescuing is when I do for you what you could do for yourself. That's 
That's rescuing. Helping is when I'm providing you assistance, I'm providing you support, I'm providing you encouragement, but I'm not doing the thing that you could do yourself. Okay, and then, and lastly, I want to end with just a few very clear distinctions of when you've got to stop helping. You've just helped too much. It's just unsustainable. Like people are asking you for money or time and you just, you don't have it. If the way that you're helping somebody is keeping them stuck, like they don't have to evolve, they don't have to learn, they don't have to make new friends, they don't have to create a support system, they don't have to figure out how to do these things themselves because you're doing it for them, that's a definite no because you're actually hurting that person. It's actually selfish on your part to continue making this person dependent upon you. It's an absolute no when repeatedly you know you're being manipulated for your help. It's an absolute no when the help that is needed requires you to be dishonest or compromise your integrity or your values. It should be an absolute no if the person who you're helping is disregarding your boundaries. Assuming, of course, that you've stated your boundaries. State your boundaries. And if they don't fulfill their end of the bargain, then they don't get your help. It's as simple as that. It's an absolute no when you've helped somebody and they just keep coming back for a bigger and bigger ask. Try this. Before you go to help that person or that child or that family member or that friend, ask yourself, do I believe this person is capable? Do I believe that this person is competent? Because competent people step up and do for themselves. And if you're an overhelper, You are one of those competent people, but you may be in a relationship with someone who's also competent, but for whatever reason, maybe early childhood experiences, they also have this deep desire to feel worthy, worthy of someone's care. So when those two worlds collide, you you match somebody who has this rescuer's mentality right and and they they feel significant and they it bolsters their self esteem when they take care of and and do for somebody and you you introduce that person to somebody who never felt like they were cared for that they weren't valuable enough to have someone look out for them or take care of them even though they're completely competent you you put those two people together and you have yourself codependency at its finest which can very quickly turn into the drama triangle. Oh, the drama triangle. How do you get out of the drama triangle? And just because I've said triangle, we're not talking necessarily about three people. Two people can be in a drama triangle. And we're going to talk about that on Wednesday because it's going to blow your mind, especially when you identify who is playing which role. Who's the victim? Who's the rescuer? Who's the persecutor? And how do you get out of this triangle? The drama triangle is so prevalent in family dynamics. You're probably in the middle of a drama triangle right now and you don't even realize it. Most families have at least one drama triangle happening somewhere in that unit. And here's the thing about being an overhelper or an overdoer or a rescuer or a fixer. We all do this. So you might be the fixer, the rescuer in your relationship with your child or your relationship with your ex-partner. But in other relationships, you're the person who likes to be rescued. Like you're the victim. And in other situations, you're the persecutor. We play all three of these roles. I personally think it is hardest to see ourselves as victims but we all play that role sometimes. And we're going to talk about that on Wednesday. And it's painful. It's really freaking hard to admit, but it causes so much drama in our relationships. In some of our most important relationships, this drama triangle exists and it's probably killing you and it's sucking the life out of you. And it's just, oh, you don't know how to get out of it. Well, good news. On Wednesday, we're going to put together a little plan to create healthy boundaries and for you to exit the drama triangle. That doesn't mean exit the person's life. I mean, maybe it does. But in most cases, it's just about setting up some healthy boundaries and having some self-awareness so that you understand your role as well as their role. All right. 
I look forward to talking to you on Wednesday. Don't forget to share your feedback with me inside the pod squad. For those of you who are on Patreon, please leave your comments under this episode ad-free in the Patreon app. I really do start there with your comments, and I very much appreciate your feedback because I am yours truly, an overhelper. Love you. Mean it. Talk to you soon. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, just do me a favor and double check and make sure that you're subscribed or following if you're actually someone who listens on the Apple podcast. And if you've got just like 30 seconds, it would really mean the world to me if you were able to leave a five-star review and tell me specifically what it is you liked about this episode. My show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I do also have a business podcast that comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I host that with my son, Brock. It's called Build Your Tribe. You should check it out. There's always a link in the show notes. I'm sure you know this, but on Fridays, my episodes are very casual. It's very personal. It's usually stuff with myself and my husband. If you love that kind of stuff, I want to invite you to check out my Patreon. It's all of the Shaleen Show episodes ad-free. In addition to that, for just $5 a month, you get extra episodes. And this is this is the stuff that's like kind of too personal to put on the Shaleen Show. It, it's all personal stuff. There's like no like personal development. It's just real, raw, what's going on in our lives, stuff we can't talk about on the show. However, if you are easily offended, Patreon is not for you. That's not the place to be, all right? You can learn more about it by going to patreon.com forward slash the Shaleen Show. Any of the links that I referenced in this episode will show up in the show notes, which are just below the episode. To learn more about the services that I offer and to take advantage of some of the free resources, I invite you to check out my website, which can be found at shaleen.com. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.